Welcome to Connected at the Roots, a Big Forest podcast that talks about Midwestern values, character, and camaraderie through the lens of business. I'm Jordan Harms from Big Forest, and over here is producer Chris Lair. Say hi, Chris. Hello. Our guest today is David Wiglars. He is the owner of Still 630, a distillery in downtown St. Louis. We've known David for a little while now and conduct business of our own with him regularly. David is an enthusiastic, hardworking Midwestern soul and is a huge supporter of the Connected at the Roots movement. We have gotten into heated agreements. I'm doing air quotes right now with him many times, as he puts it, and it only made sense to get him on the show. That's right. We actually recorded this episode at the distillery, and as always, when we got there, David was toiling away at his craft, headlamp on and everything. It was awesome. Yeah, in the weeds. <laughs> in this episode, we talk about David's journey to becoming the distilling master he is today. Uh, that's a title I'm prescribing to him in my rhetoric right now. That's not something David <laughs> would give himself. He's humble like that. This guy has quickly grown from a mere client to neighbor with us, and we hope you enjoy his story. David. Yes. Thanks for being on the show. My pleasure. Appreciate you having me. Let's uh, learn a little bit for the listener who you are. You and I know each other pretty well at okay. this point, but uh, who are you? What do you do? I'm, I'm just a, a guy who's following his, his little own personal American dream. And I've started a company downtown St. Louis that makes, it's still 630. And we make whiskey, rum, gin, a little bit of apple brandy and stuff. And we're just trying to make the best damn spirits that we can. When did you guys become an official company? So I founded the company on paper in June 30th, 2011. We moved into this uh, historic building in February of 2012. We sold our first bottles in the middle of April 2013. Awesome. And when you say historic building, yeah. where <laughs> are we sitting right now? <laughs> we're, we're sitting in one of the premier gourmet French restaurants in all of the Midwest, oh, which was really? the old Hardays. Yes. Uh, yes. I don't speak French, so I always mispronounce it. I assume that's how it's said. I, yeah, I don't I think know. That's right. But I know the fries were French, so I've always assumed the rest mm. of the menu was too. Yeah, I think I've heard rumors of that place. Yeah. Yeah, it's an old Hardy's building uh, right downtown, just south of Bush Stadium, south of the Arch, right downtown St. Louis, which is part of our name, part of where we're trying to be associated with the fabric of St. Louis. Yeah. Mm -hmm. When I think of, uh, when I want people to think of St. Louis, I want them to think of the Arch, the Cardinals, and still 630, and Big Forest, and not in that <laughs> order. Hey. Big Forest can be fourth still. That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. That's, but four is pretty damn good Big on that Forest. List. Big Forest. <laughs> Touche. You know, being in an old hard A is actually just adds to it for me. Right? Well, we are. Like, I mean, the listener can't see. I but was like, just going to say. It doesn't look like a Hardee's. We're at one of the old historic tables right here. We this are. is an old three top, you know? And yep. it's an old three top. Uh, you, they don't make mauve like this anymore. So they we don't, man. It's a classic. Missouri Historical Society mandated that we keep some of this stuff. And please don't fact serious? check that. Oh, <laughs> you're confusing the producer. Yeah, sorry. What? So um, probably I would just if they if we'd asked <laughs> them, I assume that's what they would have said. So I know this fun fact, but you said your first official day on paper was June 30th, Correct. which just so happens to be the calendar 6:30. Yes, happens to be tied in with our <laughs> overthought name. So still 6:30, right? Still for the piece of equipment that we distill on, we capitalize the last L to emphasize STL. So sometimes I'm marking those letters of red or blue to really hammer home mm -hmm. St. Louis, right? We're very proud of that. We're proud of where we're from. We're trying to be an a small but awesome part of this incredible city. 
630 stands for the day we were founded, as you just said, June 30th, right? So it also happens to be the serial number of our first big pot still, which was handmade here in Missouri. So one of a kind pot still literally happened to be serial number 630. Happened to be? I like to think the universe is conspiring in our favor. Even more importantly, I, I always say, 630 stands for 630 feet, which is the width and the height of the Gateway Arch, which is one of our inspirations and just a, an iconic identification of St. Louis anywhere around the world. Like you see that, it's there. It's built into the fabric of our name because we want to be built into the fabric of the city. Wrap it all together, still 630. We are the home of indomitable spirits. I love it. So what are some of the, like if you had to describe, if you could, a few of the like core values of your company and what they like what you what you want to represent obviously the midwest and st louis sure but like what does that mean to you personally it's where i'm from um i wasn't born and raised in st louis but it's my home and it's where my children were born and raised and it's hopefully where future generations of my weglars family will be from so it's it's i've always been a midwestern boy i was born in michigan lived in indiana for a long time chicago and now the last nine plus years here in in st louis so um the, I wanted to make this company because I've had a very wandering path through life. And I, I wanted to, I've always wanted to be my own boss and make something. And it sounds so kind of cliche and everything. And every time I say it, when people, because people always ask on the tours and stuff, oh, how'd you get into this? How'd you get started? And my answer always sounds dumb, but they, but it's the truth. And my answer is, I think you live once and it's up to you to make your life, whatever you want it to be. I wanted mine to be incredible. And I thought that starting something like this up that's live outlives me and is is bigger than I am is a pretty awesome thing to do with this experience that we're all having here in life and I I got so burnt out doing stuff that I wasn't fulfilling stuff that I didn't like that didn't have a future that I wasn't excited about so I've silly um foolishly worked so much harder at this but it's because I love it and I and I believe in it and it can be something that I see other people enjoying. And that's what one of the things that is really gratifying. When you see people coming in, oh dude, I'm getting married. I need to get some gift for my uh, my groomsmen. And I, I wanna buy a bunch of your bottles or I wanna do this or can we engrave some of this for those guys? Or, or you know, for my bridesmaids, cause that's happened too. What that means is on the most important day of this stranger's life, they are looking for a gift for the most important people in their life. And they're turning to me to give them something that, that I made, that we made here. And that, that blows my mind. And I hope there's never a day that goes by that I'm not like excited about that. It's, it's incredible. And I never really like dreamed that I could achieve something that's that small, but impactful, you know? And that's where I think that human connection, that person, that's where you're looking for somebody who made it and they put their heart and soul into it rather than a multinational global conglomerate that has churned out this product and it's great. But you know, there's no soul there. And I've been fortunate enough to find some people to come along on this journey uh, over the years and it's turned still 630 into what it is in 2020 right now. And that's awesome. the best damn distillery in the country nestled right downtown St. Louis. Right in the middle of the country too. So I think some good points you made there would be legacy is huge for you. Yeah. Personal connection, obviously, yeah. and heart and soul on what you do. Right. All things that fit right along with what this podcast is I mean, about. that's perfect. You touched on something in there that I really like that I want to um, have you kind of dive into more. And that is 
your beginnings and other stuff you used to do before still 630. So in your narrative, your story as a business, which of course is not done yet, but hopefully, but your act one, the yeah. beginning of your story arc, like where are you at? Was there a cinematic moment where you're sitting on the side of your bed and you're like, I'm just going to start making whiskey or like, did it, was it a kind of a series of small things that built up to what you're doing now? I don't know if I was sitting in my bed so much as like curled in a corner ah, crying. Right. Um, <laughs> so it's, it was a long road and it was, I had to go through some, some dark places to get to where I am. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, and that's part of it. And that's, you know, I feel like it's, it's not always uh, the best move to, to shield people from that pain because that pain can be um, inspiring. It can be motivation. It can be that kick in the ass that you need to get up and go change things that are not working for you. And it took me a long time to get there. And I had to get to a really low point where I was very, I was very depressed with what I was doing. I was unfulfilled. I hated it. I couldn't see a future. I, and I saw no path forward. What were you doing? Um, so <clears throat> I was an English major in college because I always wanted to be an author. So really? I drank a lot. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> it goes hand in hand. It, it did. And I was, I was good at writing papers. <laughs> I was not interested in other homework, though. Um, but I went to Wabash College in Indiana, which is a small little D3 mm -hmm. school. It's an incredible liberal arts school. And one of the most unique things about it that's probably shaped me in ways I don't even yet realize is that it's one of two all-male schools in the United States. All male universities, anyway. Um, which, yeah, weird. Why would you go there? <laughs> Question I've heard that a million times. Um, Interesting motivation. It's, it's a, I went there because it was a great education and I could play football. And I didn't, I growing up, I played basketball, soccer, but baseball was my sport, like all through school and everything. I was you a pitcher, third baseman. I mean, <laughs> God bless me. I, Midwestern grain fed little, yeah. little wigglers out there trying to hit the ball as hard as he could. <laughs> Grass fed, um, but yeah, well, the beef was, um, and I ate that, <laughs> and uh, so I didn't get enough hits, you know. Maybe I was eating grass, that uh, was firm but fair. Um, so, so my senior year of high school, because my dad had played college football and got like some tryouts in the Canadian leagues and stuff, but he hurt his knee, and blah blah blah. Um, he played at Wichita State, we're all very proud of that, and we've got some fantastic humorous family memorabilia from that. I bet. Anyway, he finally had convinced me to go out for the college football team or for the, the high school football team our senior year. He's like, listen, you don't have to get a summer job. I was like, I'm in. I don't even care what the next part of the sentence is. And, uh, but <laughs> go out and try the teams. I think you'll regret it. And he was absolutely right. And I loved it. And I mean, I was starting from ground zero. You know, I'd always watched it, but I was, didn't know anything. Couldn't tell you, you know, what the linemen were at or anything. But I loved it. And I was big enough. I was a decent athlete. So I was decent at it. And at Wabash, which is a D3 school, they recruited me and they were like, listen, we think you've got the potential to be somebody good and you're gonna get a great education at the same time. So that's how I ended up at Wabash, plus two of my real good friends were going there, blah, blah. So I wanted, I was gonna be an econ major at first and now I realized there's a lot of homework attached with that and that wasn't what I was there for, right? I was, it was in college for having a good time and making the most of my college years, which would one day be done. So I was like, I need to enjoy it now. And I started that day one, basically. And uh, um, so I got out of school um, four years later as an English major and um, I, I knew it was a great critical thinking, it was preparing me for anything in life. That's the best part about Wabash is it makes you a well-rounded person where I see so many people going to school focused on one specific tack. And if I had done that, I don't feel that I would have been able to pivot and totally change genres so many times as I have. After school, 
I worked at Menards for a while. I managed the lumber yard out there because I was saving up because I wanted to be a whitewater rafting guide. I knew if I didn't do it huh. then, I probably would never get a chance to do it in life because if it went according to plan, one day I'd be married with a family, hopefully some kids, probably a house. I can't just leave that to go live in a tent to go raft guide for a while. So I was like, I've got to do it right now. And I got denied from the first few places. And I was like, I've wasted this time. I have no path. I'm it really, really, that was the first real big dark period for me. And then I got hired on by USA Raft on North Carolina. I went out there for a year and I, uh, I was a raft guide and I made no money, but I could scrounge up enough tips to get beers at the end of the night. So it was great. Hey, and then I'd, I'd go rafting uh, once or twice the next day. And I lived in the Smoky Mountains, basically. And it was, awesome. and I hiked the Appalachian Trail and I had some friends down. And it was a, it was a life affirming phase for me that this is my life and I can make it whatever I want. And it's up to me to make it whatever I want. Nobody's handing me anything. I've got to go out and decide what I want to do, where I want to do it, and then go do it. And that, that was huge in the, that confirmation building and everything. Um, but after rafting, I was like, okay, I've, I've kind of checked that box, got it on my system. Now I, I need to go start my life and, and, and make some money and be able to travel and do all the things I want to do. So I moved up to Chicago and became a futures trader because I thought, well, a stockbroker, futures trader, whatever. Yeah, okay. Um, and I started doing that and I did that for the next eight years. And I got really burnt out. Uh, I had some great years in there. I mean, it, sure. um, living in Chicago, trading during the day, it was fantastic. You know, I went to a ton of Cubs games because I lived across the street from Wrigley Field, closer than we are to Bush Stadium, actually. And uh, Were you a Cubs fan? I was a very big Cubs fan. And now? And still 630 Sports, all things St. Louis. What about David? David does whatever the hell he wants to oh, do in his fair wow. time. Um, I've seen, I've seen your, your Cubs hoodie. So, so, uh, I, and I wear that because I don't care if it gets messed up. Oh, okay. Good. Sure. You paint in it. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. There's stains on it because I don't care about it. Um, if they're paying, if they're playing head to head, I'm, I'm probably going to go with my gut and the way I was raised. If they're not, I am 100% rooting for the Cardinals. Luckily, most of the last 10 years, the Cubs have not factored into anything. So it's just go Cardinals the whole time. <laughs> oh, that's fair. You're like a swing fan. You know, uh, you're like, yeah. <laughs> like, will we win his vote? <laughs> <laughs> if they, I mean, as long as they're in, if the Cardinals are in the playoffs, we're going all Cardinals. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, what do you mean I, if? Um, they're the Cardinals, right? Cardinals, yeah. They will. They right. will be in the playoffs. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> anyway. So when the Cubs obviously are not, then, you right. know. Right, really, exactly. Now that's the language we're looking for. Um, exactly. They've, um, had a good, they've had a good team for a little while. So for the past for the past two years, uh, the last two years of the trading, I knew I wanted to get out of it. I knew I wanted something else. This wasn't, you can't plan a future on it. I've had a lot of different jobs over the years in the restaurant industries, wherever else. Um, but even in, in sales, on a good day, you just don't make any money. Yeah. When you're trading on a bad day, you can lose everything you've made and yeah. more. Yeah. And so that kind of like feast or famine, complete mm -hmm. stress, every day is a new opportunity to lose everything or, or, or have a good day. It was, and you can't plan a future on it. You yeah. can't ballpark mm -hmm. and, and strategize, where am I going to be in five years? No idea. Right. Um, but I wasn't getting anything out of it. I wasn't fulfilled to go back to that idea there. And so I saw everyone else opening jobs, starting their own companies, getting into craft brewing. That was really big in 2008, 2009, 2010. Still huge, right? But people were opening them up 
everywhere. And so I saw that. So I thought it'd be a great time to get into craft spirits. Decided to do this. And we looked at where we wanted to live, where we wanted to do it. Missouri had the best liquor laws. Plus wife was born and raised here and all her family's here. And they've been incredibly supportive with the business, with the family. It's It's been awesome. I mean, I've, I have no regrets whatsoever. So it sounds like you got you got Sorry for the ramble. Slowly, no, I'm, I'm. That's what we're here for. Podcast, man. I, it sounds like you got kind of beat down slowly but surely. To listeners, uh, <laughs> yeah. Sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> we're sitting here nodding. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, mm, I saw a couple. Let's wrap it up, guys. No. <laughs> Kidding. <laughs> so you kind of got beat down slowly but surely, like, and sort of. Started to get to the point where you wanted to do something more fulfilling, obviously. I got beat down because I wasn't doing what, I wasn't utilizing my life. Yeah. I wasn't yeah. happy. I wasn't living. I was maintaining. I was That's a good clocking word for in. it. Yeah. Yeah. Preach. <laughs> yeah. It, and, I, get I mean, it. right? Yeah. That's what you mm-hmm. guys are doing with this. Yep. You're stepping out there and saying, yeah. I'd rather it's own it. It's uncomfortable, but it's more fulfilling. Oh, it's frightening. Sure. It's terrifying. Yeah. That's what took me so long. Yep. It's what am I going to do? How am I going to pay my bills? How, what, mm-hmm. what if, is my wife going to support it? But, I can't just give it up and start something I've never done before. So how long did it take for you to come to the decision of like, yeah, whiskey, that's what I'm going to do. Like, uh, like, why didn't you just do craft brewing? Why didn't you just write on it, that? It seemed, uh, well, that was, that was the original plan. <clears throat> and uh, one of my best friends, shout out to Derek Stinchcomb. He, uh, he and I, we, we were talking about it and he wasn't thrilled with what he was doing. And we thought the idea of opening a brewery would be awesome. And, Sure. And we were still right. You know, it, yeah, right. It, that is awesome. Yeah. Um, and so we started, we started brewing beers in his kitchen. Dumb as I look, I didn't want my wife mad at us. I wanted his wife mad at us um, <laughs> from the big mess that we would make. Good call. There you go. <laughs> yeah, not, not as dumb as I look. And so we we're brewing beers and we did a few batches and stuff and we've got the whole system in there. And it's a lot of work. And at the end of it, we had these beers that we bottled up and we're like, didn't really like, weren't, weren't still excited about drinking them. You know, we were drinking whiskey and stuff. And he's like, you know, (laughs) somebody's got to make this too, right? Holding up the whiskey glass. And I said, yeah, I mean, hell, when I was down in North Carolina, there were some legit guys making moonshine. I had some of it and it was, it was pretty good. And they were doing it out, out in the woods. Certainly we could do it with a roof over our heads, you know, but we started looking into it. And I saw that the craft distilling industry was mirroring the craft brewing industry, but like 15, 20 years behind. Mm. So it was it was following the same trajectory of growth and uh, Interesting. exploitation or exploration, I should say, of spirits. And so it seemed like, A, a better time to get into a growing industry. Yeah. And B, I've always kind of, I love beer and I still do. And I, it's, this is one of the greatest places on earth to live if you love St. beer. St. Louis, man. I mean, St. Louis is incredible. Come on. <laughs> and, um, um, but... But I personally like whiskey a little bit more. You know, I I don't think they need to be mutually excu- exclusive. I agree. Um, well, so it's not like the Cubs, you know, you're allowed to like more than one thing. Yeah, yeah, it's not yeah. baseball. You're right. It's not baseball. <laughs> Alcohol is. This is outside baseball. This is outside. Outside, outside the lines. Here. <laughs> I have a quick question for you. Please. You were mentioning how you were going into English. You know, you were doing a a, a degree in that in writing. Do you still like utilize that passion of yours? Do you still like write? Four still six thirty. Are you the copywriter? I used to be. I've gotten away from that just because I've been too swamped with other stuff. We used to have a blog that was going on that was. I'm not saying it was any good, but I used to do it from time to time, and I made always, you happy. I've always wanted to do more of that, but I'm just. I, we're such a small crew here, and everybody wears twenty seven different hats. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we can't relate to that at all. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you guys will get there when you have more than twenty five hats. <laughs> 
Right now we're sporting about 12 each. Well, I was going to guess more than that because <laughs> I've got to do a ton of work. I, I do. I want to. And so I, I honestly, I journal a little bit trying mm. to keep stuff mm. that I hope that my kids and grandkids would find interesting because I would love to stumble upon my grandfather's memoirs. Yeah. yeah. And I, yeah. I want to write a memoir one day. I don't know if anybody re will read it, but uh, the kids can read it if we'll they frame ever it. care. Uh, we won't read it. But frame copies. the whole book. We'll frame it. <laughs> just put it on the wall. It's in a shadow yeah, box right there. But I mean, do you know who wrote it? I mean, yeah. talk, come on. Yeah. You would probably A lot of blank pages in there. <laughs> a lot of pictures. It smells like grandpa. Yeah. <laughs> this is totally copied and pasted from the previous chapter. So um, you find your like that like philosophy kind of do you bring that into your company? Like, I think what was so. some of your inspiration when you were doing English stuff? Like, fiction, nonfiction. Oh, all yeah, I am, under the sun. I am a Tolkien devotee. Yes, I've read yeah, the, buddy. the Lord boy. of the Rings. I discovered it in fifth grade. We read The Hobbit, and I was my hooked. And my dad had an, like a 1970s era of copies of the Lord of the Rings. Awesome. And I plowed through it. I've read those books front to back seven times before so you saw the movie, right? Of course. Like four of them were before the movies came out. Yeah. So I was a little bit perturbed when everyone's like, oh, dude, I'm a huge hardcore fan. And it's like, you've seen the movies. Yeah. I mean, you don't know about you know, Numenor and anything like that. I can see that, I think, in your branding yeah. and your just demeanor about everything. There's kind of like this epicness kind of pumped into it. Well, yeah. I love the Definitely story drives of drives your philosophy kind of forward. And I company. think I think that you'll find this with everybody that you have on this podcast mm. is the idea of the hero's journey. Mm -hmm. Right. And everyone has their own journey. And I am me trying to live my best life. And I always I often think about it as the main character in my personal novel. What's the most awesome thing to do? How did you overcome? And it's overcoming Yeah, everything that's happened now, mm -hmm. act one, whenever, right? That's all happened. Yeah. What does the hero do to respond? He picks himself up. He does what he He puts in the discipline. And or continues else to fail. Go, or else fail. Exactly. Yeah. And so so it was It was Tolkien. It was um, Stephen King's The Dark Tower series. Oh, Excellent. really? And, and um, How'd you the like Harry that Potter movie? series. <laughs> oh, that was such a disappointment. <laughs> and no one, I haven't heard a good word about it. Um, I thought the casting was interesting. Yeah. I, I, I can get on board with that. But right. then you took this epic tome from one of the most prolific and verbose writers of English literature and you condensed it down to this yeah. hour and 20 minute. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They tried to like squeeze in the whole series, didn't yeah, they? In yeah. one movie? Instead of, <laughs> oh man. But I mean, Stephen King with his capture of vivid imagery and everything mm -hmm. doesn't seem to translate very well to the screen. Yeah, or, not, not always. If you're right. Uh, yeah, but you look most of his show most of his books have gone to TV movies, mm -hmm. right? right? And then they don't Yeah. It's always been disappointing with him specifically. But I, I do really love that. So so yeah. this epic genre, this fantasy yep. land, this hero's journey. The, that's I mean, how, the hero's journey is a core value of Big Forest. So yeah. I read you a lot. Of Ex right, exactly, right. man. And that's yeah. so going back to the English major, the creativity. One thing I love about being an entrepreneur, specifically in this business, is the ability to exercise so many different uh, aspects of my personality. I get to yeah. be creative. I get to play a little science man. I get to be a little um, more creative when writing the copy, the naming mm -hmm. of the stuff, the marketing of things, the sales, the actual, I mean, it's it runs the gamut in here. And right. I mean, one of the things I'm worst at, everybody can attest is, is probably being a boss and managing the company. <laughs> and I'm, I'm trying my hardest, but yeah. that's, and that needs to be, but that's, that's another challenge that I get mm -hmm. to grow at and, you know, improve on. You know, that's yeah. like one of my favorite things is whenever we get here, we walk in, 
and it's the same thing every time. It's you digging around in some corner, working on something, headlamp on. Yeah. <laughs> You've got the rock I, music. I may acknowledge to you, hey, what's up, yeah. guys? I'm yeah. over here. Like, I've got four hey, things going. What's going on? We're like, hey, look at him go. It was <laughs> like in your element, in the zone. It's it's really cool to see because that's a man fulfilled right there. That's a man living his dream. way more interesting than... Uh, Film people when they're in their element because like people just walked in, we're just typing, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> typing and clicking, we yeah. and playing over wow. the same line of dialogue over and over. Like, okay, yeah, I get doing? it. I heard it. Right, I can yeah. say if you need it. <laughs> oh my gosh, are they okay? Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> Where do you go from here with the company? You're expanding, not expanding. You're you're said you're a small operation. Like, I mean, you want to keep growing, yeah. If not outwardly, inwardly. You know, I want to keep growing both ways. Mm -hmm. I want, mm -hmm. I want the most important thing is that still 630 is undeniably recognized as producing some of the best spirits in the world. And I would argue that, you know, we've had some of those accolades already. Um, we don't, we're not, um, we haven't reached the undeniable aspect yet. Mm. Uh, for the general public, I want somebody who doesn't know anything about spirits to go, oh, yeah, they're, they make good stuff, don't they? Recognize the name. Of the yeah, just be like, just equated with quality. Just, yep. Yeah. Yep. Oh, wow, mm. that's cool. I want somebody to buy it for their groomsmen years past the wedding and say, well, yeah. you know this is good because no it's from still 630. <laughs> yeah. well, Not for, yet, but one day. For the for, Speaking of accolades, for the listener, we are actually sitting at this this antique table. <laughs> in front of this wall of of awards and recognitions of your products, David. Of it's incredible. Your, All, look at these achievements, man. Like sometimes I do. Medals and, I, and medals. We have over seventy five here right now. Seventy five. And, and I look at them, and I mean I see them every day, so I don't I don't acknowledge them much um, because I, a I'm scared of getting you know. Too, too big of a head. Well, I, th I, I look at it and I think this all grew from an idea in my head that I could go try and do this. Awesome. I could learn how to make spirits. And, and this is, most of all, this is proof to everybody else that if you're willing to work hard enough and stubborn enough not to give up, you can go do anything. Yeah. God Walt damn it, Disney. do it or die trying. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> but the biggest two are on the other side of that wall right there. That was named the best, we, somehow, it, we've been named the best craft whiskey in the country two times in oh, the last four man. years. In this old party's building, downtown St. Louis, this guy with Andrew Spa running my right arm, Sidney Weglars is doing it, for the VP of miscellaneous stuff. We've got Andrea Bolt, Jacob Bradovich doing other things and tastings and awesome. making cocktails. I mean, that's, that's basically the extent of the company. You talk about known for quality worldwide, if the best craft whiskey in the country doesn't put you in the running yeah. worldwide, then I don't, because America is leading the craft distilling industry, I don't want to see the greatest heights. I, I'm, I'm trying mm -hmm. to put the bar out of reach, but what I really want to see is the next generations take still 630 to greater heights than I ever saw. I, I, if I die having seen the best days of this place, that'll be disappointing. We have an excellent act one. You're doing things that aren't fulfilling. Your act two is... I mean, you're at that low point. You have to make that decision. You have to rise back up yeah. after nearly being defeated and you start brewing and then you start distilling. And now your act three, more or less, is is where we are now. You're trying to gain that extra recognition. But as a result, I mean, it's a ton of hard work, which yeah. from your born and brewed uh, Midwestern 
attitude. Like, yeah. How much do you love the fact that your company is in the Midwest and in Missouri versus somewhere that's much more recognizable? I mean, in terms of whiskey, I guess something more recognizable would be like Tennessee or Kentucky. But but in terms of business, something yeah. more recognizable is like Wall Street, Silicon <laughs> Valley, right. you yeah. name it. Has has it hurt you being in the Midwest in some ways? And and in other ways, has it helped you? Like, do you, do you like the fact that you're right by the arch or is that just a happy accident? I, I've got like four different answers to that all right. wonderful question. Let's hear them all. Um, number one is it's, the, you know, Wall Street is synonymous with finance. Mm-hmm. Silicon Valley is synonymous with computer science. Facebook. Yeah, tech. <laughs> tech. Tech. Exactly. All tech. Right. Um, so we don't we don't fit there. Neither of those answers were spirits or even alcohol related. Right. Um, they both have a hotbed for distilling and brewing and wine and everything. But I think that not being in Kentucky and Tennessee has helped us in the sense that we're not just laboring in the shadow of those giants. I mean, mm. there's no denying yeah. that the guys in Kentucky are the top gold standard. They're revered the world over. They're global producers. Yeah. They lose an angel share in one month through evaporation yeah. more than we have made. Sure. I've done the calculations. So it's, I, I mean, we're not we're not threatening them in any sort of the sense. We can win all the awards we want. That's cool. We're going to put out, you know, a thousand barrels next month. You guys haven't made a thousand barrels in your existence. So... <laughs> Let's go play with your medals in your, you know, by the arch. Um, I would say it's hurt us in the sense that while we have gained this incredible um, praise and applause and these awards, I mean, this is this is relatively unprecedented in the craft distilling game. I mean, there's there's distillers that have won more awards than us. Um, Maybe not in as little amount of time, though. I mean, uh, okay, so you've you've narrowed it down to a handful. Of people, yeah. <laughs> so so we're in that category. Yeah. <laughs> awesome, I'll take it. That's incredible. Um, and take what you can get. And we're very diverse, you know, in in our product line. We don't just make whiskey, or we don't just make rum. You know, we've got gins, we've got different kinds of whiskeys, we've got apple brandies that we put out. So we're very diverse. And one of the things I worry about is being too spread out and too distracted. You know, I've always said I don't want to be Baskin Robbins. And then I look at what's on our bar here and you've got 13 different spirits. And you're like, well, you already are, dude. Um, (laughs) But being here, the Midwest, this is where I find my values resonate. I'm the son of Polish immigrants and German immigrants. Isn't that a metaphor for the world, like consi- <laughs> reconciling? Yeah. Reconciling, excuse me. Or inner um, turmoil, one of the yeah, Well, there's a little bit of both. You're on um, your own enemy. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I hate myself. Um, but, it's, but it's that, I mean, Weglar's name in, in Polish, that's where we come from. I think my grandparents moved over here prior to World War II, and my dad was born here, and the whole Weglar's family were in Chicago, and that's part of the reason I went back up there and, and enjoyed it and grew mm-hmm. up with yeah. that mindset and those right. allegiances. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Weglar's name means uh, Winglaj in Polish, and that means coal miner. That's what my people were back then. They were they're hard workers. Allegedly, there's stories that grandpa, great grandpa, whatever, might have made some vodka in a spare time for you. I don't know that that's true. It's in your jeans. Maybe <laughs> if I could prove it, I'd be talking more about it. We'd have something up there. Um, right now, wall. it's just a, a fanciful story. Um, but it's that it's that industrious. It's that to me, it's that Midwestern ethic. It's about you be a good person. You take care of yourself. You do the right thing because it's the right thing, not because anybody's watching. 
Um, and that's, that's what I'm trying to instill into my kids. Character matters and it's about character. If they take that away from this and they don't want to be in part of distilling and they want to do something else, God bless them. Good luck. I, I, I would almost, you know, um, pat them on the back for trying to blaze their own trail. I wish that my father or grandfather would have started an awesome distillery and I could have yeah. grown up and worked in it and, and read their thoughts along the way. Um, but you know, that's, this is, that's their story, right. you know, and it's, it's not, they're not a, um, an addendum to mine. They're writing their own book. Um, so I feel like I've answered a couple of your questions and I forgot the rest of them. No, that rephrase, I mean, please. That pretty much covers it. <laughs> right. Fair enough. No, I was just getting at, I guess, the the pros and cons of being here. You are not the first person to answer in that in that sure. way. Like that is something that we are trying to get at. And yeah, you're absolutely right that character does matter. And that's I and I see it here. And it, what's awesome is that it shows itself in a lot of the relationships that we have. Um, one of the best things about St. Louis, I think, is this is an awesome time to be here. Yes. This is a city that's languished over the years and seeing other kind of similar type cities uh, rise a little bit faster. I mean, to be honest, you look at Kansas City, you look at Indianapolis, Nashville, mm -hmm. Louisville. Some of oh, those yeah. cities have kind of... Yeah. They shouldn't be better than St. Louis. They shouldn't be bigger. St. Sure. Louis was here because it was this key, crucial point in American history. It was founded Absolutely. for a reason. One of the reasons, you know, was the jumping off point of the Lewis and Clark expedition, right? Not, not that wasn't a reason why it was founded, but that's one of its historical ties. Being my favorite expedition of all time, Appreciate I love it, that we're here. That's why we've got have. Expedition Rum. Yep. It's, it, I mean, it's. <laughs> I was able to help it kind of facilitate and factor into the Missouri Spirits Expedition and all this stuff. So we're, we're playing on that local history. But St. Louis, by rights, should be one of America's crown jewels, and I think that we look at. The, the restaurant industry that's blossomed here. How many recent James Beard Award nominees did we just have oh again? Goodness. I mean, mm -hmm. for the past, past five, 10 years, St. Louis is putting itself on the map as Absolutely. a international food destination, yeah. right? The breweries goes without saying. We've got yeah. AB, but the craft scene that's risen up around it. I mean, Ray Beer rated you know, Side Project, the number two brewery in the world. That's right here in our backyard in St. Louis. And we've got the first viticultural region in Missouri, in the in the United States was in Missouri here oh, with really? the wine trails. Even before Napa Valley and before New York. They oh, had before. That. It was the first viticultural region, I believe, identified. And don't fact check me because it sounds better when I say it's true. Oh, we're gonna just go with that. Fair enough. It's <laughs> um, a better story. So so to be to be a small slice but uh, hopefully a proud slice of this incredible iconic american city that mm -hmm. embodies the real american values that we all agree on forget about the you know the noise being made on the political fringes what this country respects is people that are trying their hardest that are doing their best and you want to help those people you want to give them a hand up you want to support their businesses you want to go out there and say i I don't know if we agree on everything, but I like you and I, I want you to succeed because that creates an environment where we can all thrive. That's right. You know, kind of being grownups about it. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Let's let's leave some room for, you know, um, different thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's what makes it richer. If everyone ate the same food, it wouldn't be very yeah, cool. It's spices, man. Exactly. You've got all this flavor that comes in. That's what that's what I was told America was when right. I was growing up. You know, melting pot. Yeah, the, the, yeah. the whole. At least to toss salad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We'll we'll go with uh, we'll go with melting pot. I like that better. Yeah. Yeah. David. So the if whole, I were to throw out yeah. a term, Midwestern grit. Yeah. What is that? 
It means that people that get up early and work hard and they they quit when the job's done, not when mm. they're tired. Bingo. That's it. Yeah. So it's not a made up term to you. I don't think so. That's to me part of the core of that value. It's that hard work aspect mm-hmm. of these Midwestern values. Yeah. That's what these people are about. That's why I feel at home here, you know, because right. you're willing right. to work hard and you got people that are trying their best and that are, I think here you give them the benefit of the doubt. You know, I mm-hmm. think in the transplants on the coast and stuff like that, I don't think you see that. I, I haven't lived out in either of those places, but that's my impression from my friends that have. They're like, there's a different quality of people. The, you get more weather in here in the Midwest, right? Which in forces, one day. Which, no <laughs> doubt. But that forces a little bit different character on people. It does. Right? I mean, that's, you can't, it's not just sunshine well, all Well, preparedness, that. you know. You got to be ready. You got to keep more than one You got to be able to deal with closet. adversity. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. And that's, you know. That makes a better rounded person. Nothing grates on me quite like being called a flyover state. Nothing nothing just grinds my gears and people fail to see the value here, but also don't try to see the value here. The yeah. people that just, oh, it's St. Louis, you know, some crime ridden filth like cesspool. Yeah. And I mean, to, to talk about that point, you see people that come in here from outside. Mm-hmm. Those were air quotes. I was doing. <laughs> uh, and they and they come in here and they're like, oh. Wait a minute, everybody. Turns out this is actually an awesome place. On the way we here, I'm, like, I'm like, no way. <laughs> Thank you for noticing. But yeah, obviously, we've known that for a while now. So I, I completely agree with you when they just look at it. It's just, I mean, that tells me a little bit about your character that you're not willing to look, that you yes. haven't thought to lazy. say that, let me, yeah, you're lazy in your thought process. Mm. You're not sitting here trying to develop, trying to say, okay, I've been wrong about things in my life. I've, I've gone on vacation out of the country, wherever. And I found interesting stuff in all these random places. Right. You wouldn't think that you could go somewhere and A, have a great experience or B, have a bad experience and neither are indicative of that whole place. Right. I mean, I would think the great experience is more indicative, but yeah, yeah, I, mean, yeah but, I mean, you know, it can, you, it can be as little of a change as like, were you hungry at the time? Yes. Like, yes. Yeah. So you were angry. Were yeah. you late to go bed? somewhere? Were you right? in town for were just you business? just got in a fight with your wife? Like, it's not my problem. <laughs> that does, should not reflect on this city. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It drives Absolutely. me crazy. And like anybody who sees like, we got a lot to love in St. Louis, like from a, a, a litany of free admission attractions yes. like our zoo and so on and so forth. It's just like, Wow. Awesome. What a great city. But now that people like you are elevating the other other aspects of it, like our spirits scene, it's not something that I ever really crossed my mind until the last year yeah. or so. And, and we're not the only spirits company. Right. There's, There's a whole more. bunch. And we have a distillery trail that we call the Missouri Spirits Expedition. Here it is. We helped launch that last year. Um, yeah, I was going to ask you if you wanted to plug that. I, I want to plug craft spirits anytime I can. I <laughs> yeah, mean, honestly, well, tell us about the spirits expedition. Then so the guild and yeah. So, the, so the guild is a group of like-minded distillers all across the state, from every corner of the state, pretty much, that wants to promote our industry and mm. promote people coming here to travel to explore because we're making almost everything across the board here in Missouri. It's not just whiskey. It's not just right. rum. It's brandies and fruit and vodkas and gins and and absinthe and almost everything you can think of is being made by someone very well right here in Missouri. Mm. And so our distillery trail is getting you to go around and dive deeper and experience these little unique characters Mm. that are out there because Mm -hmm. still 630 is very different than some of the other ones because I'm in charge of still 630. I'm not in charge of the other ones. So they might be very knowledgeable and very Mm well-spoken. And you've got me over here at the other end. But (laughs) 
the idea is that you're going to find some flavors, some people, some characters that resonate with you, right? And it's a spectrum thing. And it's about that richness that is what's so exciting about the expedition. You can go to any distillery and start on it and keep going. You can go anywhere in St. Louis or in the Midwest right out here and experience a great local time, right? You yep. got to know where you're going. Got to do the right places. Definitely. But it's, it's, it's just waiting to be discovered. And that's what I feel about the expedition is. It's waiting to be discovered. Yeah, I've definitely felt that we, Chris and I here, were both here for the bottling event of the first Missouri blended bourbon right. and whiskey. And being in Missouri, it was, sorry to cut you off. Go for it. Being in Missouri earlier, I mean, you asked about being here as opposed to Kentucky, Tennessee. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It gave us the opportunity to pass legislation to create Missouri bourbon whiskey, which the Guild yes. did last yes. year. I mean, we created a class and type of whiskey. Um, we created a brand new state distillery trail. All that stuff is impossible elsewhere. So it's, an, it's. I like to look at things positively and what the opportunities are rather mm. than sit and complain because I don't think that gets you anywhere. Yeah. So the opportunities here in Missouri have been fantastic and it's yeah. up to us to capitalize on it, right? All you can ask for is the right environment. Mm -hmm. You know, you want a gardener out there in charge. You don't want someone who's deciding which seeds live in yep. that. You want someone who's cultivating an environment. The roots have to grow, man. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's where we're connected. Yeah. Right I was going to say that at, at the event that just rang so true because it was, there was a lot of different people there and different distillers right. yeah. and in their individualism they kind of made this, for lack of a better term, an actual melting pot of like richness, like you're saying. Absolutely. And I think that they don't have to be mutual exclusive. No. And which is and that's what, what we're trying to get at with connecting everyone is that yes. like your product is different because you are the only David and you are the only one making the ones here. But the at diversity the same time, strengthens us. Yes, but at the, exactly. But at the same time together, it kind of creates its own third entity of the of midwestern companies not even just whiskey but other i mean businesses and yeah. businesses around here can only strengthen each other that's more, so the awesome. more they acknowledge each other as I, opposed to like i have to be the best no matter what yeah rather everyone wants to be the best and is aware that everyone else is trying to be the best and that's okay. <laughs> it's, it's two very different mindsets. Yes. And that's what it really boils down to, right? It's the, it's the famine mentality where your success is my loss. Mm -hmm. Or it's the, hey, there's a, the rising tide mentality where, yep. hey, yes. and that's in craft spirits in particular, we're fortunate because we can only be in the second mentality, right? Craft spirits yeah. is 3% of the entire market. So if one of the other distillers sells a bottle, that's not a bottle I lost. That's a new customer that's turned on to craft spirits who will eventually find me. Hopefully. Yes. Right. Perfect. Right. We're all trying to take one tenth of one half of a percentage of mm -hmm. you know, Jim Beam's marketplace or whoever, you know, right. fill in right. the giant global of course. conglomerate. Um, right. it, it's not about competing directly. And if you can get that message across, you can work together and promote something that's really authentic and really awesome and really hyper local in here. Yeah. I think it's really cool. You know, what's something I didn't know about the distill I don't I am very new to learning about the distilling world and the whiskey world and all that jazz. But something I didn't know until I think the tour that we took here for your birthday, Jordan, was at still six thirty. Do you at still six thirty. Do you want to talk about a little bit, just touch on the barrels? Yeah. 
So, I mean, we're very proud to use Missouri oak barrels, the best, the best American white oak, which is the preferred wood for making whiskey barrels the world over. Mm. The best American white oak grows right here in our backyard in the Ozark region of Missouri. It has to do with the soil, the acidity, the elevation, the, um, the watering, all of that. And the combined. weather too, yeah, right? The, the weather, the exactly. Climate, the climate. The of the country, yeah. All of it combines to produce this ideal environment for growing American white oak. And, and so you go to Scotland, Ireland, you go on those distillery tours. They're like, yeah, we, yeah. if we can get them, we use Missouri oak barrels. Amazing. It's just the best. And that happens to be right here in our backyard. It's just a natural resource that's right here. And so when we made the idea of Missouri bourbon whiskey into a law, part of the requirement was that all the corn you use must be grown in Missouri. So you got to use local grain. Mm -hmm. And then the barrels must be manufactured in Missouri. So, I mean, it's, it was a slam dunk. We take two of our state's greatest exports or yeah, production resources. products, resources, thank you. And we turn and guys like me hopefully do our best to turn it into something very delicious and palatable, but it's right. something that can only be made yeah. here in Missouri. And then mm. we're very proud of that. And we're trying to, trying to highlight that with that legislation. Right. So what is something specific about your spirits that you do that you think stands out from other distilleries that, that kind of like brings about your flavor profiling. We try very hard to make each spirit and style as best we can. You know, hopefully everybody can find something that we make that they like, but we're not trying to make everybody love everything. And one of the things we don't want and actively, not actively avoid, but we, we, we try not to have come is we don't want like a house flavor. I don't want someone to say, taste something and Say, oh, well, that tastes like that a still 630. 630. It's yeah, got that yeah. still 630 totally. taste to it. Oh. And that's not always bad. So I might change my mind on that one day and I reserve <laughs> the right to. But right now, <laughs> I, I'm very proud that one spirit tastes totally different from another spirit. And these whiskeys can, can be that. different. The first thing that makes us different is our unique pot stills. They were handmade here in Missouri. Literally one of a kind. We've got the still 630. And I think we've got still 632, although it's not officially named yet, um, which is our new 500 gallon pot still made by the same guy, but works. It looks a little bit different. Are you allowed to tell me what they're made out of? Uh, stainless steel. They are stainless. Yeah. So uh, but you, the uh, copper the is all the vapor contact points. Gotcha. Um, that's a story for another day. <laughs> uh, we had to take off the entire front entryway. Oh, are you serious? And then we built it back to with wood. And Is that what the plywood's all about over there? there? Exactly. That's why it <laughs> doesn't fit very well. Uh, I love apparently this Apparently, I'm not, I'm not a uh, great carpenter. But, uh, <laughs> but we, I did help design these stills. And uh, Jim Schultz here, metal fabricator in Missouri, built these for us. So that name. gives us an interesting uh, our, our unique flavor profile. Yeah. So you could take yeah. the same mash bill, the same process. I could tell you everything that we do and you do it in another distillery on their still with a different distiller and you're going to get appreciably different spirits mm. out of it. Mm -hmm. You know, the layperson may find differences, may not, but it, but a, a good pilot would. The difference then uh, after that is our aging with our Missouri oak on our premises. So our environment is a microclimate that's slightly different than any other distillery in yep. St. Louis or St. Charles mm -hmm. or, you know, um, anywhere in Missouri, right? right. So you're going to get right. different, different weather. So you're going to get different spirits. When you go to the gin, that's where it's really um, identified as we're, we're how we build different spirits. And so one of the things you can't help but notice when you come into the distillery is our library of indomitable spirits. We've got samples from yes. so many different barrels. We've got um, our experimentals that come out on the first Friday. They're all uh, laid up there. 
but the botanical library or gin botanical library. We've got mm -hmm. over 275 different individual roots, fruits, herbs, leaves, right. seeds, flowers, berries, peppers, nuts, you name it. Each bottle is a different flavor. I like to think of them as different colors to paint with. We sit here and we will literally, Andrew and I will pull off bottles and stuff and we'll blend in to come up with the flavor profile that we're looking for. And we learned early on, you've got to paint your target before you start shooting. Ah. Otherwise, you just start drinking stuff. Oh, this is good. And then you're like, well, that could be it or so could and that. And it comes out tasting like brown. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like me measure twice, cut once. Yes, yeah. exactly. So know yeah. where you're going and then you can actually get there. And you Otherwise, said you weren't a good carpenter. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you. Learned the hard way. No one said you made the barrels. Exactly. <laughs> um, so, yeah, the botanical library plays a huge role. Sweet. I don't know. If I've ever asked you this before, I could talk to you all day, man. Like, I mean, we we have. We've talked into the the, the deep of the night. Yes, we have. <laughs> yeah. And it's just, it's so much fun to hear your story. And there's like so much more that we could talk about. But uh, another time. But uh, here's a question I got for you. Do you have a favorite thing that you've made? What's my favorite child? Your favorite child. Yeah, Excluding that's right. Children. Yes. Um, favorite spirit that we've made. Take a good made. look. Look at that I, wall. I am. And it's... <laughs> It's honestly, it's, it's probably a tougher question than it might sound because I know it's I've, tough, man. I've got emotional contact with every one of them. Mm -hmm. And you know, some, I mean, I look at them, oh, it was the first time we won that medal or this was the first gin that we made, or that one was uh, particularly difficult. And then when we finally got it, you know, the five years, an easy one, because it's, it was the first five-year-old whiskey to come out of the state of Missouri, as far as we know. Mm. We've engraved all the bottles, so it's just sexy looking. Um, <laughs> and it's the highest strength. I mean, that's unfiltered, right. straight rye whiskey coming out. It was named the best craft whiskey in the country in 2018. But I would say if you had to, if you really made me pick, it's going to be probably our double barrel rally point. Double that barrel. was that was the first Delicious. one that won some gold medals for us. That was the first one that won the best craft whiskey in the country. Um, it's won the best craft whiskey again in uh, the Seattle International Spirits. So, and that was with global international spirit brands, not just right. craft brands. Um, and we put out one of those a year, and it's just it's it's pretty special to me. And that's I'm, awesome. but I mean that's that's picking that's picking yeah, your favorite kids. Right. Yeah. You know, <laughs> well, that's like asking us our favorite movie, more or less. Yeah, I mean, not which, we didn't make those movies, but which is see The Hobbit. <laughs> <laughs> we like to say that Lord of the Rings is one yeah. cohesive movie, yes. Well, it's, it's one really long movie, correct. <laughs> yes. So, do you like whiskey, rum, or gin more flavor wise, or does it just depend on your mood? I drink like I eat, which is always an unsatisfying <laughs> answer I give people. Oh, no. Yeah, because they want me to say something. And I, uh, sometimes I'm new for tacos. Sometimes it's sushi. That's okay. fair. So um, if you had to pick, you'd pick all three, but nothing else. Exactly. <laughs> um, I, I, I prefer whiskey, but I'm really enamored by gin. I make, there's so many more flavor compounds you can yeah, use to make gin. Right, as yeah. our botanical library underlines, yep. there's so many different expressions. The three of us could sit down and each go through there and make totally different gins. Yep. So when I'm out and tasting craft gins, um, there's more breadth of expression mm -hmm. and, and variance there. So there, it's more interesting yeah, to me. You. But if I'm just, I just want to drink some, I want to enjoy it. When I sat down here, I poured some whiskey. Nice. So I know I said I'd wrap up, but this is oh. written on your bottles, uh, on your Rally Point bottles. But can you explain to me the name of Rally Point? Because ah, I think that that actually resonates kind of Midwesternly a yeah. little bit. 
Um, it's got the arch right on it. It does. The, the I mean, that's my favorite one. It has. It's got a picture of our distillery. If you stand in the right corner of the parking lot, you can see the arch on there with our distillery in front of it. Um, the rally point is, uh, as with almost everything else, multi-layered in its meaning, in the sense that it's. Um, oh, were you an English major? Right. I, I read <laughs> yeah. it too much. So <laughs> my buddies and I had an apartment in Chicago, and we we considered it the rally point. Nice. So when when the proverbial <laughs> shit hit the fan, that's when humanity will regroup, and we just envision naturally we would be the leaders of such a, a revolution. Of course, you might still and be regrouping. <laughs> I'm, I'm making a plea for it here. I'll tell you why. So, um, so yeah. it was always kind of a humorous reference. That was the rally point, you know, number oh, one nice. in your hearts. Shout out to 854 and uh, Michael <laughs> Ruffing and Daniel Cressup. But uh, we, when we came here, we thought that this this would be our rally point. That was that was part of the reason why I wanted to do it. But now, still 6.30 is humanity's rally point. Because <laughs> when the grid goes down, right, you're going to lose your power, you know, your services, utilities uh -huh. aren't going to work. So you're going to need clean drinking water. We've got stills and a ready supply of water, so we can make that. Obviously, uh -huh. paper currency is going to be worthless. That's Nobody's right. going to care about a million dollars. <laughs> Whiskey will be the currency yeah, of this future. Right. And bottle caps. And yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right? So whiskey and bottle caps, we'll have to barter with for, yeah. our, nice. for our whiskey. Yeah. So we'll have those in spades. <laughs> That's awesome. We also have a relatively barricaded-in facility with a parapet roof for sniping. So we are oh well prepared Damn for it. said zombie apocalypse. <laughs> All right, that this part's not on the <laughs> you can see it the sniper be. on the roof. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> if you do, you're in big trouble. All right. Anyway. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> on, that, on that dumb note. <laughs> oh man. So Jeez. David, what's some advice you would give to not just a Midwestern person, but an entrepreneur, a business owner, somebody who is yes. at that low point, the beginning of their act too? Should I make this? scary decision or should I not go forward with my dreams or go forward with this this idea I have? What's some advice you could give as someone who is, for lack of a better term, made it? I know that a healthy thought is to never consider yourself as making it. And like I said, your act three is just the beginning of a new act one right now. But to someone, take yourself back a few steps. What, what would you wish you could have told yourself? Don't talk about it, be about it. Mm. I mean, it's, it's your life. And I think you'd rather you'd rather fail and learn from it than regret never trying. I really believe that. I don't, I don't know if I've got any magical words of wisdom. I, I would try and give you a pep talk and say, yeah, go, go do it. And if you're not ready to do it, that means uh, your current situation doesn't suck hard enough yet. For me personally, that's what it took. Yeah. I had to, I had to, I, I wish I could say, oh, I, everything was great and I just saw a better opportunity and I leapt from this stone to that lily pad and off I went. No, I had. I, you were I had, at the bottom of the well. <laughs> it was. And it was yeah. like, all right, well, I've got nothing to lose, you know? Um, and I wish I could convince somebody to try before they got to that point. But there's part of being at that point that is that motivation and that gets me up at 5.30 in the morning to come in and go distill. Right. Because if this fails, that's what's waiting for me. Mm -hmm. So I think, um, I, I don't know. I don't know how do you... you condense down the idea that this is your life. This is your story. So go, go out there and write it. Where can, uh, where can people find more about still six thirty? You, when are you open? Uh, rarely. Um, <laughs> we are, you can find more at still six Um, as we said, probably no updated blog posts anytime soon, but, uh, we're there. We do have <laughs> some right. new awesome videos that are coming out shortly. Um, oh, wow. Very, very cool. We're living with a nice local company <laughs> you guys should talk to. Oh, okay, um, we should. Should do yeah, we should. 
Um, Let's reach out. So we're, we do tours on most Saturdays. You got to sign up for them on the website, still630.com. The first Friday of every month is probably our coolest thing. That's mm. where we do our, our free experimental spirits program. We release one brand new spirit uh, per month, every month. We're doing it for five years. So you're going to have to hurry if you want to get here. But we have awesome cocktails that change up every month. They start at five o'clock. Experimental spirit comes out at 630. We do private tours and all that stuff. Our, our biggest anniversary, our biggest party of the year is at still 630 day, which happens the Saturday prior to June 30th every year. Awesome. Where can you buy bottles of your stuff? Is it just here right now? No, or? we are in any liquor store worth a damn. Okay. Aha, including uh, schnooks? Greater Missouri area. <laughs> we're, we're in a handful of schnooks with our bee's knees canned cocktail and a little bit oh. of Olstead's Folly Gin. Okay. Uh, but not all of them. Um, but in all your your primary liquor stores, uh, the Wine and mm -hmm. Cheese Place, Fryer Tucks, Randall's, yeah. Lucas, yeah. Lucky's, Total Wine, Sweet. Wine Merchant. Um, and we're out in Mosers and McAdoodles and all those things if you're out right in Columbia, on. Kansas City. Okay. All that kind of stuff. Good. Yeah. If they don't have it, ask them why not. I'm working on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Exactly. Thank David. you so much for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Hey, thanks, Always a man. pleasure to talk with you guys. Oh, absolutely. You're inspiring. Keep it up. Oh, no. You're you inspiring. You're oh, stop inspiring. Stop it. Stop it. Oh, we better cut the audio soon. <laughs> appreciate it, man. Crying. <laughs> well, there you have it, folks. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Connected at the Roots, a Big Forest podcast. Our guest today was David Weglars. To find out more about David and Still 630, go to Still 630, that's S-T-I-L-L 630.com, or follow Still 630 Distillery on Facebook and Instagram. He posts about regular events on there all the time using hashtag 630 somewhere. And you can also find some pretty sweet videos shot by us from Big Forest. Ayo. <laughs> Thanks again for listening. Please like us, review us, and follow Connected at the Roots on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you listen. Chris, as always, thanks for your help. You're welcome. Until next time, keep being kind and keep working hard. Ooh.